The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We inch closer to Nebraska and Ohio State. A little more than an hour from now, we will give you a chance to win Nebraska-Ohio State tickets for Saturday, courtesy of ESPN Lincoln and Hale Varsity. So stay tuned for that. A lot to discuss and uh, we'll hear from uh, some great minds when it comes to football. Brandon Vogel from Hale Bar City in 20 minutes. Phones are open for you as well at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email Chris at HaleVarCity.com. Plenty of emails to get to. You guys have been scorching the keyboards, and that's awesome. Much appreciated. Great thoughts and and kind of burying your soul, quite honestly, with just your uh, plight as a Nebraska fan right now with this tough situation, this 3-6 and six season. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, as always, uh, give us uh, that follow and uh, keep the emails coming. Subscribe to the podcast. Easy to do. And uh, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take... All ratings, uh, Hill Varsity Radio, uh, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Let's get to it. Elijah, you are wearing your Denver AFC Championship sweatshirt. Uh, Denver doesn't play till this weekend. It was laundry day. It was laundry. Okay. <laughs> Is that the, the 97 one or the Peyton Manning one? 96. Right. Yeah, no. I, I, Many I never, years before you were born. I never invested in the uh, the Peyton Manning one because I was in... You were renting him? Uh, I was in early high school, and then uh, the result happened of the, the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, uh, and so therefore I did not have a, a constant steady stream of income to be able to buy one of those, which they always overprice. Oh, big time. And then uh, the whole thing was clouded by the Super Bowl result anyway, so I'm pretty glad I didn't get one. Okay. As for the actual Super Bowl run, I do have some uh, Broncos Super Bowl champions uh, shirts in my dad's house, as well as the front page of the Denver Post from the day after the Super Bowl. So that bad boy's framed up in, in, in the Elijah Herbal uh, home. Yeah, dad had uh, some Nebraska memorabilia up in his bar mm-hmm. and yeah you had the uh the, the front page of the journal uh you had uh some pretty cool pictures up and nebraska fans have have just kind of probably turned their head and looked at their husker bar or some of their memorabilia that's that's hung up when i pull into the garage one great one gift i got for graduation from high school from high school was a picture of old memorial stadium from like 1990 
with the sun. It's called Sunset Stadium, the old press box, mm-hmm. and it was a it was an ESPN opening name guy opening game night against Baylor in 1990. So that's the, the wife threw that thing out in the garage, but it still hung up. Uh, Couldn't but, they throw it in the trash? <laughs> no, I, you know I I don't I don't think so. Never, but. You know, we, we think about this game, and we'll hear from Scott Frost today with his media session, and uh, we'll hear from Searles next hour and Gary Barnett next hour, and Danny Burke with Burke's Best Bets. Is he taking the 14.5 or 15, or is he laying it, or is he just running uh, with Nebraska-Ohio State? I'm interested here with what can quiet the noise, right? Scott Frost was asked about it again today uh, when it comes to the noise out there we'll hear his response on that in a moment but what's what's going to quiet the noise because you're going into another bye week you know how maddening it was post minnesota but this is ohio state you're now three and six it's do or die to get to a postseason at six and six and i'm not quite sure i haven't gone that far into uh, whether or not Nebraska is eligible or would get invited sub 500. I know that they did not go to a bowl game last year. And the stories as to why are a little murky, but I have heard enough to know that it was a, a bad decision and a missed opportunity. Even during a COVID year, go go get to postseason because you're working on Quite a stretch of no postseason. First things first, you have the arguably one of the best teams in the country ready to, to crush you, soul crush you, because that's what they do. That's what they've done the last several years in your backyard or when you've visited. They overwhelm you because they're incredible and they're, they're, they're mortal defensively, but they're still going to score a defensive touchdown on you, it feels like. Doesn't matter who's lining up against it. That's how they swung the momentum of just about every single game. So you think back to Minnesota, it was a uh, scoop and score. It was a scoop and score. Think back to this Penn State game just last weekend, another scoop and score. Their defense loves to do that. They love to swing momentum with those game-changing pick sixes and scoop and scores. Well, what is going to quiet the noise? And we ask you, and Elijah and I have some thoughts on this, What's a good result Saturday for Scott Frost? Is it win or else? Is it another Michigan-type showing? And I'm beyond moral victory. I think a lot of teams can look themselves in the mirror uh, if they play Ohio State with within a touchdown and say, Hey, they just made another play, and they're going to do that to about everybody until it gets to, to college football playoff time. You know, what is a good result for Scott Frost on Saturday to quiet some of this noise? And I'm going to be honest, man. I think it's got to be a situation where Nebraska is trading punches with Ohio State. Nebraska actually gets out and starts well. And, and is playing with a lead. And I know I'm, I'm asking a lot here based on how Nebraska-Ohio State's gone and what Ohio State does to people. But it's got to go down to the fourth quarter. I don't think they have to win. I don't think they're going to win. I'll give my prediction here. But I got this creepy feeling that they're going to keep it close. And while it'll be more heartache, it's going to be another teeter-totter moment of showing progress against some of the nation's elite. I think what's ticked you off as Nebraska fans is, A, not getting over the hump with with getting a, a signature win, but B, losing to the teams you think that it's your birthright to be better than. 
the the Illinois, the the Minnesotas, the the Purdue's. You take those three, hey, you're you're going bowling, <laughs> okay? Uh, but but right now you're not. Um, so what's what is a a good result for Scott Frost and this football team Saturday to quiet the noise? Uh, where are we going? Uh, Chris on the line. Chris, thanks for calling. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Bud, lead us off. Schmitty, how are we doing? We're good, man. I'm excited about Saturday. Maybe I'm it. Uh, I'm not. I, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, I, I, it, we're going to lose. Um, I think that the, this is just my opinion that the, it, it's done. The season's over. We're not going bowling. So you, you ask, you know, what's, what's, what's Saturday look like to me? Saturday to me is um, put Adrian on the bench. Let's see what Smothers has. Let's see what Harburg has because it's done. We're done. And quite honestly, I think the fate, I, I know what, you know, what came out in the papers the last day or two, um, but I think that their fate has already been sealed. And unfortunately, anything short of a, a, a win on Saturday, um, isn't, it's, it's, on, it's, it's done. You know, so you think you think they're making change? You think they're Chris? You think they're going to make a change if, if they don't win Saturday? Not after Saturday, but this will keep you from postseason. So it starts the the ball moving on on making a change. Yeah, it's not what I want. I wanted this to work out. I did, and I, I think you know that. But mm-hmm. um, for a multitude of reasons, uh, some that are explainable and some that aren't, um, it's time to go in a different direction. Because it's just not working, and there's nothing. There, there's I shouldn't say nothing. There's very little, other than a couple of games this year that still ended in losses. That says things are gonna we're gonna turn the corner, mm-hmm. and and you know that we'll be a 500 team next year. There's just we have the talent. I don't know why it's just not uh, it's not coming up in a, in a W in the win column. Chris, so good stuff, man. Appreciate you chime, chiming in. See you guys. Yeah, so he thinks it's going to be a loss, and he thinks that's the start of the end. Now, a couple of things here. So what, we, so, so what he's saying essentially is the only thing that will quiet the noise in his mind is a, is a win. Yeah, is well, to win, get, not, to, get to bowl eligible. Yeah, just win out. And I think stranger things, but I don't think that's possible based on how they've played the previous nine games. Mm. They can't all of a sudden shift twist and become something they're not which is mistake prone and and that that is the the true story of 2021 and when you talk about going a different direction and and you know coach coach not coach carter but but, but the president ted carter i mean his his commentary from from halftime of purdue to yesterday after he's done playing hockey is is a lot like the Nebraska fan base where, hey, man, they just they just got to get one. They're playing well. They're up at that point at halftime. And and then, hey, not want it to work. Need to find some wins. The, the direction of the program will be commented on shortly. That seems it wasn't, hey, he's coming back, or no, he's got to go. It wasn't an ultimatum, but it wasn't uh, warm and fuzzy. As I as I read into it, and and you know if if they they could get absolutely blown out, they could also get beat by twenty one, and you can leave. And and what was the feeling a year ago when you opened up with Ohio State? Until the final three minutes, it, it was a three point game, and it turned into a ten point deficit at half. You can get off the field, and then what what killed you? You're driving twice in the third quarter fumbles turnovers right 
and it, it's really time to look at this offense. We'll talk with Gary Barnett about that here in an hour. But Elijah, uh, part of the the bigger discussion point, uh, if if these guys get more time, uh, is you know what's what's a good result? Not just Saturday against Ohio State, but beyond. What are you going to do with more time if you get it? And you got to really examine your offense. I love quarterbacks and that can extend plays and and just screw defenses on third and eight with their arm and their leg. So I'm not anti-mobile quarterback. I'm anti-injured mobile quarterback. And the fact is, is you've got to be willing to develop and play a backup if your main guy's not getting it done or your main guy isn't as effective because of said injury. So we got to really take a look at what the offense is. Go get me go get me toys. Go get me Omar. Go get me Xavier. Go get me Allen. Go get me some some skilled guys. Get me a better offensive line. Okay? And and find me a couple of running backs that you're going to lean on and and do that. The other thing I'd like to see against Ohio State A hold on to the football. We'll get to your emails, I promise, and some more of your calls. But the thing that I'd like to see is is more of an Oklahoma approach where you're keeping their offense off the field. But also, we saw some hitch routes, okay? You can throw it to Omar and Betts on an eight-yard hitch or a quick slant and, and let them do their thing and be in second and two or three and, and, and do a zone read where you have an option with your back, your quarterback, your running back. You had a lot of instances this year where you're asking your offensive line that's been up or down to, to give your quarterback time, who may be worried about getting blindsided and losing teeth, to have a long route develop and hit a big play. You can hit a big play uh, in more ways than just going deep with some of the skill talent they have. And Nebraska's been amazing at chunk plays, Elijah. But I think your, your approach here is going to be run the football, Take care of the time of possession. The last two games, you've been murdered with time of possession. Your defense has gotten tired. I think you're going to need to see some quick throws uh, to help open up your run game. I hope that's part of the plan, says the amateur offensive coordinator in the room. And what I really hope is a part of the plan is that if Adrian comes out and has a game like he was having against Purdue, uh, that Logan Smothers is prepared and ready to come off the bench, and Scott Frost is. is prepared to use him. If Adrian comes out and throws two first-half picks, which isn't out of the question with how good this Ohio State defense is at generating turnovers, I want to see Scott Frost be quick to turn to his bench and turn to guys uh, that need an opportunity and you haven't really seen on the field because you're playing the, the cream of the crop in the Big Ten this weekend. If things start to go south, Ohio State's going to pile it on. It's what they do. So I want to be able to see guys that can come out and, hey, uh, even though you might not be a part of our plans this year, things are going south against Ohio State. We need to see what you got against the cream of the crop in the Big Ten because this is where, in the end of the day, this is where Nebraska football, the, the leadership sees themselves as being a team that can go toe-to-toe with the, the top teams in the Big Ten, even if you don't go win all the games. Uh, so it's a great chance for these these younger guys to go get into the game and get some experience if things do start to go south. But just to, to finish out the argument here, the only thing that's going to quiet the noise for Scott Frost this weekend is a win. Period. If you go out and... A close and, and, loss is still, eh, come on, get over the hump. Because if you play a close loss, you say, okay, it's the same thing Nebraska's been doing all season. You're close against these big teams, but you can't get it done. You're still not solving the problem. The only thing that's going to quiet the noise, truly, is to go get a win against Ohio State. doesn't matter how you get it done, but that's what it's got to take. When it comes to a good result Saturday for Frost, is it a win or else? 
Is that it for you? Does uh, he have to win? I personally think a good result is covering the spread, but a good result won't, won't quiet <laughs> noise. Is all about the great teams cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good teams win, great teams cover. Kent emails in, what's truly going to change in a year five? And for the people that say, give him year five, what are people allowed to demand? Well, you better demand eight or nine next year if he gets a fifth year. That includes having new staff. That includes a, a different way to skin the cat offensively. Yeah. Uh, uh, read in between the lines of what you're saying, a new quarterback. Yeah. Well, a new quarterback, a new system, mm-hmm. and, and more experience with some of your offensive assistants. I got no qualms with the defense. I mean, yeah, they need a pass rusher, but so is everybody not in the SEC. Brandon Vogel is going to jump in. We'll ask him this question. What's a good result Saturday for Coach Frost? Uh, does it have to be a win? Uh, a lot of us are shaking our head, yeah. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jeremiah Searles coming up here in 35 minutes. We get our favorite sideline guys preview of Ohio State. No truth to the rumor that he is suiting up at left tackle this week. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity Managing Editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He has got an incredible podcast, the I-80 Preview. That has dropped. Get all your football knowledge with Vogues and follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, I'm going to ask the question, what does Junior Vogel say about Saturday? (laughs) Um, It could be rough, but I think Nebraska, I mean, Kind of talked about it at various points over this week. Of it, given everything that's come before it, this still might be as close as Nebraska has been to Ohio State going into a game. We saw 2018. They kind of were able to swing freely, and it looked that way for four quarters. Every game after that had certain expectations that Nebraska didn't come close to hitting. This one might be somewhere in the middle between those those three games. That's That's really fair, and Man, you've seen this offense give Ohio State and Wisconsin and Iowa. And in Minnesota, it's given everybody in the Big Ten problems at times, but not for four quarters. And, and I'm interested, I'm going to kind of go incremental here and start off with, with your reaction to, to Ted Carter's comments to Tom Chattel yesterday. Uh, about you know the direction of the program and Frost's future. Did you read? We talked to Babbers about it, and I just love to get everyone's take on this. What what did you think? What did you think? Did did it sound ominous, or is that too much of a read into it? Um, I mean, I think it trends a little bit more towards the ominous side, but it was still kind of opaque enough that you know. <laughs> he could have been talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to announce an extension during the bye week. You know, and there was, quote, unquote, no decision made, which is odd. So to say that, but I think something will be coming soon about the future and the direction of the program uh, could kind of be anything. But I, I guess it at least tells us that some sort of statement or comment um, or perhaps change, you know, depending on how things shake out over these last three games. Is probably coming for Nebraska football, and, and something probably has to change. It's just a question of you know how big of those those changes. I guess Trev Alberts in this case, and the rest of the university leadership think that has to be. 
Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, you mentioned how things shake out over the last three weeks. How, how do you think things need to shake out over the final three weeks for Scott Frost and his coaching staff to be able to keep their jobs come uh, December 1st? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like the base level for me kind of means they need to look as competitive as they actually are. But that hasn't be like looking competitive hasn't been the issue. It's not getting over the hump. So, you know, in a normal year, that might be enough against three pretty good opponents. This year, it might be just, well, this is just more of the same. And even though this year has been sort of close games concentrate, it's, it's been there throughout the, the three seasons that came before it. So I don't know if there's a magic win total that, I mean, three, Three would definitely do it. You you win out and go to a bowl game, um, and, and it does feel like things are kind of, okay, this is what it should have been over the first nine games of the season, something close to that. Um, does two get it done? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I think at this point you're really trying to avoid just getting embarrassed in any of these games, and I don't think Nebraska really should though this Saturday is probably the one. Anytime you're playing an offense like Ohio State that can put up points as quickly as they can, that's a danger for anybody, you know, as we saw in the playoff last year. Vogues, tell me more about avoiding embarrassment. Let's let's dive in to just how, all right, Nebraska can keep this thing uh, close, maybe lead going into the fourth quarter. And I don't know that there's much parallel between Sparty in 2015 and Brandon Riley, you know, but you had a three and six Riley team shocked the world, crazy cold night game. Uh, Ohio State's been to- been prone to toe stubs, but not really under day, even though, that, you know, Purdue has happened and Iowa City has happened. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're aware of that. So just blueprint this thing for me. And then send an email to Tenth uh, and Vine. How does it happen offensively and defensively for Nebraska? Well, Penn State provided one heck of a blueprint. I thought last week, coming off a, a pretty humbling loss to to Illinois, and and what the Nittany Lions did. So that's a pretty good defense. But you know, regardless of the record of Penn State and Nebraska, I don't think the gap between those two programs right now is is that huge. Um, so Penn State played pretty strong defense. Um, it got a pass rush, which is the one thing I think Nebraska is probably not as equipped to to replicate as as Penn State was able to do last week. But the biggest thing was is that defense inside the red zone really stood up. And if you can hold Ohio State to field goals instead of touchdowns, which you know is a big concern, just looking at sort of some of the Ohio State talk that's out there this week. Um, Penn State kept itself in the game that way. Offensively, they this this Ohio State secondary is, I mean, it's an Ohio State secondary. It's not ever going to fall too low. But compared to some of those kind of classic units we've seen in the past, there's a little bit more room to work there than there has been in recent seasons against the Buckeyes. And Sean Clifford did a great job of like finding, making quick reads, layering some throws and taking what was kind of there. Can Adrian, Adrian Martinez do that? Can he do that a week after he played one of the, the worst games of, of his career with, with the interceptions? You know, it's a big bounce-back opportunity. 
But the, the most impressive thing to me that Penn State did last week was it just kept kind of punching. And it had some things go its way. It had some things not go its way. And it never let those things kind of pile up, which, as we know, has kind of been the issue with, with Nebraska. So you're going to give up yards, get stops, and field goals would count as stops. Uh, Adrian Martinez has got to be ready to make some throws that we don't see him make all the time. And then you got to be you got to be responsive because Ohio State's going to get his punches in. Brandon, everything you said there reminds me of Nebraska's game plan against Oklahoma. And really for Nebraska to be in that game, it required a Herculean effort from Adrian Martinez, which not sure what we'll get out of him after what we saw last week. But would you agree with that, that this Ohio State game plan, what you'd expect to see is similar to what Nebraska did against Oklahoma? I would. Um, if that offense, if Nebraska's offense can, can stay on the field, and it probably has to do that through kind of the, the short to medium passing game, um, and you've got to be good there. But I would expect them to try and possess the ball as, as much as they could. And they really did it against Oklahoma. You know, it feels like three seasons ago. But you look at this game, Ohio State's about a 15-point favorite. Granted, it's, it's in Lincoln instead of in Norman. But, you know, that Oklahoma game was 23-point spread. And Oklahoma maybe isn't quite as good as we thought three weeks into the season. Uh, but – you look at it, and, and Nebraska's been there, you know, as kind of a, a big double-digit underdog already once this year. I don't know if the 11 a.m. kickoff time is better or worse for that. Um, I think overall, just kind of how the season has gone, we'll, I'll be interested to see what Memorial Stadium looks like right out of the gates. Is it a typical game day of like, hey, let's help these guys any way we can? It probably will be. But you just wonder about the toll of all of these close losses. Uh, when it when it comes to that, Brandon Vogel's with us. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, managing editor. What's the the fine line Saturday for Scott Frost and quarterback management? Uh, if is Adrian hurt or injured? Don't know. We we thought he was better, going to be better health wise off of a bye against Purdue. Not the case. So is it? too stubborn to make a change and I, I believe coaches when they say look Adrian gives us our best chance to win because of his tools but he's got to play at that Oklahoma level right and we've not seen that for a couple of weeks due to injury what's that line need to be between loyalty to a guy and also maybe a little bit of stubbornness because he's been your cornerstone dude at quarterback your you know the, the position you've kind of made your name on uh, as a coordinator and coach, when you look at Milton and, and Mariota, Adrian was supposed to, to be that for Nebraska, a lot of pressure. He's a stand-up dude, but you got to play better. Um, and, and how do you see that shaking out Saturday? Do we get a, a respondent Adrian that is, is going to play loose and free, make plays, but also not make the mistake? Yeah, I think, I think you'll see a pretty good response from, from Adrian. I mean – Really, until until last week and kind of accepting the Minnesota game because we know that at that point he, he for sure was limited by injury in terms of what he'd be able to do. But up to that point, he'd really been playing the best football of his career. And the Purdue game was a strange blip. Then when you look at kind of this year as a whole at exactly the wrong time with terrible timing coming out of the bye week, um, which you know prompts some questions of its own. But I, I, I just I don't 
it, it's tough with him because it's it's so clear to me, and you know, I don't know what it is for the coaches, but we know the threshold's high. Uh, that he gives Nebraska the best chance to win. At some point, like, have things gotten bad enough where it's just like, yes, but Nebraska's not winning. So any change at all is a chance to at least shake up those odds. And I, I have a hard time seeing that unfolding against an opponent like Ohio State. You know, if you were going to go that route against Purdue, which this is a pretty good Purdue team, uh, against Purdue is the time to do that. It's a tough spot for any quarterback, whoever it may be, the Nebraska were to try and do that with, to say, here you go, here's Ohio State. They're not quite as great in the passing defense as they normally are, but there's still probably eight NFL guys over there. Go get them. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. If you're Ohio State, do you run the ball until Nebraska stops Henderson? I know that passing games, what they're all about. I know they got three NFL wideouts. I know they got a freshman quarterback that ain't playing like a freshman. But if I'm Ohio State, man, Nebraska's run defense is not what it was. They've expelled a ton of energy, bless their heart. I think that back is special. I think that back is incredible. I would. I think that would gut punch Nebraska from the get go if they're able to run. Yeah, I would expect Ohio State to be pretty straight up at least out of the gates. I mean, <laughs> they're so good. I agree with you in terms of running back. The guy is special. And then they've got the, probably the best complement of wide receivers in the country this year. So you're pretty free to do whatever you want. And if they're able to get up early, then I think you you lean on that run game a little bit more. Because, I mean, you can look at this and and say, hey, this Nebraska defense the last two times out been on the field for almost 40 minutes both games. And granted, there was an off week in there. But, I mean, really that's been the case much of the season when you look at the time of possession. Defense has just had to be out there a lot. Ohio State typically doesn't have to play that way. I think a lot of that will come down to to game flow because, honestly, if I were Nebraska's defense, even if we're worn down and tired, I'd take my chances at trying to ham Ohio State in and keep it to the six or seven yards of rush it averages, which is you know not going to win you the game long term, but at least it allows you to kind of keep fighting and uh, extend those drives which is typically a good thing for a defense. So defensively, if I were Nebraska, I'd take that approach. Vogues, we'll talk Saturday morning. Thanks so much for the insight today. Thank you. Thank you. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. So, programming note, weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, back at the single barrel, Real Red Reaction at the single barrel. So, some kegs and eggs, whiskey and wine and red beers and buffet, 7 to 9 a.m., well, to see you down at the Single Barrel Saturday morning. We're there Friday, 4 to 6, for a road show Friday at the Single Barrel. Inside the Graduate, get a big old steak and a beer or a whiskey. Enjoy yourself for Nebraska-Ohio State weekend. Open phones here till 5 and Jeremiah Searles coming up, 466-377-6800-825-5865. A lot of emails to get to uh, from you. And uh, we've been discussing, you know, what does Saturday need to look like for Scott Frost? Quieting the noise as it win. And that's it. 
or is it another Michigan type performance? Because let's let, let's just go the other side of the coin here for a second, Elijah. It's been a long time since Nebraska has been competitive against big dogs. They've been competitive against all the big dogs this year. It's a little ankle biters that <laughs> have have upended you. And uh, to get into some emails in a moment, Scott Frost did comment today about you know the noise and how loud that has gotten this week, if it's affecting him or the team. And uh, here is Coach. You know, at Nebraska, there's always pressure. There's so much interest in so many people with opinions and talking, and, and it's hard to, to not notice any of that. But our, our players have done a great job of locking in and being prepared, and uh, we're going to go give it our best shot Saturday against an elite team. So Logan emails in. He's like, Chris, uh, Elijah, love listening to the show, and hopefully you'll have time to read my email. It's It's longer, but not too long, and he was very cognizant of – not trying to write war and peace, but he makes, you know, kind of an, an impassioned case as a longtime fan. And with Logan, he uh, he says, you know, I've been thinking about this a long time, finally put uh, fingers on the keyboard. And when it comes to uh, Husker fans, how many Husker fans uh, that are out there and how they feel every week, I hear a number of people call your show and say they're done. They can't handle it any longer. They will not watch any more of this and he's like look i understand the frustration of watching a current football team and i understand that it's every person's right to stop watching it makes me furious i was raised in the 90s by season ticket holders on both sides of my family i was taught that we're the greatest fans in the world i was taught that you know husker fans aren't miami fans husker fans aren't usc fans where it's sold out one weekend while they're undefeated and then empty the next Mm. If they go eight and four, we're loyal Husker fans who devoted themselves to their team no matter what. Where are you? I take pride that as someone born and raised in Lincoln, I've taken pride in thought uh, and, and thought process about my Nebraska uh, fandom everywhere I've lived since leaving Lincoln in 2013. In an effort to keep this short and sweet uh, and have it read on the air, I'll finish with saying that Husker fans need to ask themselves if they follow a program or if they follow a group of current players on the team. And if you want to stop watching or stop caring, that's your right. But when this gets fixed and we're winning again, which will eventually happen, don't start watching again. Hang up your scarlet and cream forever or else we're just like or else we're just like everywhere else. It's easy to say that you're the greatest fan base when you're winning three titles in four years. But now is the now is the true test as a fan. Will you do what you want your team to do uh, every Saturday in that step up? Good stuff from Logan. And that is true. And I'll say this, Nebraska fans, brother, you've been through a lot. Been through a lot. And it ain't what it was 25 years ago. And you've stuck through coaching changes, administration changes, ticket price hikes, seat licensing, incredible facility upgrades. Some of you have thrown a boatload of bank at this new building that's going up that will help the football program and student athletes. Your heart and your money have been uh, in the right place. And you have an app, every right to, to be pissed when you see bad football. And that's the thing that, that I think crushes Nebraska fans is when you see football that's self-inflicted. That's it. You can go lose on a last-second field goal. You can go lose a touchdown ball game against a really good opponent. 
And you also want to see your team step up and make some plays. That's kind of where I'm at as well. There's a game plan that needs to be executed Saturday, Elijah. There's a way to go about keeping yourself in this. But it also comes down to making the right play call and then also making sure that right play call ends in the result that matches your skill and athleticism. Making the throw, getting the first down, making the catch, breaking a tackle, making a tackle, smacking a quarterback, making the pick. Everything's plagued each each element several times this season. And once one hole pops open in the old uh, whitewater raft, uh, you, you, you patch that up, here comes another, pff, right? You just had so many fires. Put one fire out, there's another. Yeah, and, and what kills me about this year's team, which I think is, is what you were getting at here, is that it feels like most of the mistakes have come from a place of these players trying to do too much. Cam Taylor-Britt trying to jump her out and get a, a huge pick six that would change the, the momentum of a game. Uh, you have, uh, I mean, a whole bunch of guys on a, on a punt coverage team against P- uh, Michigan State that were prepared to make a tackle if the punt goes the correct way. Uh, it's you coming down to Adrian Martinez trying to make a play while he's getting tackled on third and one, trying to flip the ball out to a wide receiver. Uh, yeah, Adrian Martinez trying to fight for extra yardage on the final drive of a game against Michigan uh, where you already have the first down, but you're saying every yard counts here, and then they force a fumble. It's most, if not almost all, of the uh, the Husker mistakes this year have come from them trying to do too much, and they have the talent to go out there and win football games. I think that's what kills so much is watching this team, is just knowing they have the talent to go out there and win it. Uh, but it's whenever they're uh, they're trying to win, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot, and it's so painful to watch uh, game after game and honestly year after year. Maybe they're out of bullets, <laughs> and and they they turn it on the silver bullets. I was this, this weekend. I wouldn't count on them being out of bullets <laughs> no. to shoot themselves in the no. foot. <laughs> There's always ammunition. <laughs> they're, they're, they they got it's like the uh, the the movie uh, Predator. They got Jesse Ventura's. Uh, air assault rifle, right? The 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 helicopter machine gun, where it's just a uh, miles of ammo. Email from Austin, a listener from St. Louis, was listening on the podcast and day behind, but wanted to give Pete a thumbs up. Couldn't agree more with Pete's call yesterday. And uh, Saturday, emailed in the middle of the show, my despair, proclaiming no more Adrian. Don't know what to really think. Truth is, Adrian's the most dynamic passer on the team and also the most dynamic runner on the team. I understand the desire to keep Adrian healthy, but without his running involved, the passing game doesn't work. Preseason hopes of limiting his usage on the ground need to be thrown out the window. Win the damn game by any means necessary. If Adrian comes back, bring in someone who can compete with him for the starting job. Would love to see Frost with a clutch quarterback before they show him the door. That's the other element in this. Babbers laid out a bunch of intricacies with this Frost future conversation. Well, someone else at quarterback is part of that conversation. We'll wind down hour one. It's Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up here about 30 minutes, Gary Barnett get his take on the Nebraska offense now and moving forward. And Adrian's play. Jeremiah Searle's going to break down Ohio State for us in a moment. So we're on the road tomorrow. Single barrel uh, down in the Haymarket. Four to six road show. Come see us. Get a steak. Get a whiskey. 
and get a T-shirt. I got Reloaded, man. I've got koozies and ESPN T-shirts. They're pretty sweet, and I'd be happy to hand those out. We, uh, instead of handing them out, we should get you a T-shirt cannon. Oh, this was hilarious. But uh, what for one of the pregame shows, uh, we, we had the, the garage doors open, right? Because uh-huh. the, the side doors at the single barrel, it was open air. And I think it was Northwestern week. Beautiful weather. So my little nephew, Dixon, who's just a stud ball player, good kid. I don't know how he was getting it done, but he was throwing beads to everybody walking by. <laughs> we had a lot of red beads we were handing out that day. Uh, and people were proudly wearing him. Uh, he's a little young to talk about Bourbon Street. but I was going to ask him a Mardi Gras thing there. Well, what were they doing to get those beads? <laughs> he didn't make him do anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was chucking beads. But, uh, yeah, so come see us tomorrow, and then we'll be down there Saturday as well for pre- and post-game. So help empower the roadshow. Our friends at Ferris Financial Group, uh, their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards your investment goals. They specialize in investment strategy and can help you with budgeting, planning, and overall strategy strategy that includes times of transition if you're starting a new job or there's a job change and they help you with your retirement planning as well give marcus schmittering today with ferris financial group at 402-525-6824 marcus.schmidt at lpl.com and ferrisfinancialgroup.com is where you can log on they've done an amazing job for for years arrow brokerage doing a wonderful job when it comes to real estate and they specialize in that real estate development uh, with all facets of real estate. When we're talking, if you're looking to buy or sell, stage or invest, and much more. And uh, be sure to uh, contact broker Jenny Limbach or realtor Marcus Schmidt. AeroLincoln.com is where you can log on. Make that AeroLincoln.com backslash brokerage for the website. Brokerage at AeroLincoln.com is their email. And for the social channels, Facebook at AeroLNK, Instagram at Arrow underscore Lincoln. Let's hear about Adrian from Scott Frost and uh, what could be a really nice bounce back for him Saturday. I think it's the same thing I talk about with the team. Um, he plays such good football uh, most of the time. It's some of the key situations, key plays where we haven't gotten it done as a team. Sometimes that's been him. Um, I felt, felt bad for him Saturday. Uh, he'd done a good job with turnovers and interceptions this year until that game. And um, you know, if you do that in a game, you're not going to win it very often. Uh, so that, that was tough. Uh, but again, it's, it's decisions and execution in, in key situations. and. We got a lot of guys capable of doing it. We got to do it. So we will give you a chance coming up. Do you do this now? No. No, let's save it for next hour. Okay, next hour. Next hour, we'll give you a chance at a pair of Nebraska and Ohio State tickets. We will send you to Memorial Stadium for Saturday's eleven o'clock kickoff. Number five, Ohio State, and the Big Red line is about fourteen and a half to fifteen points. Too high, too low, just right. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago with VEASAN Sports Network, will give his take on some of the weekend lines. lines. Gary Barnett, his thoughts on Frost, quarterback play this weekend. And our favorite sideline man, standout Husker and NFLer Jeremiah Searles, is next with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Welcome in, Mr. Sideline Man for Nebraska football. Longtime NFL or standout Husker on the offensive line. And follow him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, are you still rocking camouflage? I'm not, but it was nice to get out in the tree, vine, or tree stand this morning. So you're hunting this morning. You, you're an avid hunter and outdoorsman. You went big game hunting out, I think, what, Colorado? Yep. And now you were, you were trying to find Bambi this morning. Uh, big game hunting is kind of the theme this weekend, isn't it, for Nebraska football? Well, I mean, if you're the prey. What did you say? I, mean, I, think you, Ohio, Ohio, I said if we're the prey, then yeah, Ohio State's <laughs> oh, going in your big game hunt. Man, it's... I mean, this is this Ohio State team, Chris. I'll tell you what, I've watched a lot of tape. This is the best uh, team Nebraska is going to face this year. This team has figured it out in the last three weeks. They they've done so defensively. They've been special for a while with with tremendous talent on offense. We'll get to your your breakdown here in a minute. Jeremiah Searles with us, but I want to go to to the bigger picture that that never seems to to leave Nebraska every three, four, five years. It's hot seat talk it's it's coaching change it's the uh, the climate right and i'm i want to ask you i've known you for a long time and we talked to kaz about it earlier in the week coaching with noise so how did you guys put up with playing during with with all that noise out there with bo you know it was a little different with bo because we were winning you know, it, it was like we're, we're hearing this noise about, well, we're going to fire your coach or Bo's on the hot seat. That it's like, at that point, we were like, we're eight and two or we're, we're seven and one or whatever it was. And, and it was like, well, we'll just keep winning and we'll shut them up just by, we're just going to keep winning. And I know we lost. I remember after we, I think we lost to Iowa my senior year. And me, Kenny, and a bunch of us just stood up like, we love Bo and we went to bat for him. And I think that bottom another year i don't necessarily know if that's what ultimately saved his job but i mean we just we just kept deciding that we were just going to keep winning and the hard part for this team right now is they haven't been able to get the winning going and so it's kind of a little bit more of a distraction for them because it's more of a pressure to win versus just an idea of just keep winning well this team's not handled pressure well uh, and they've had a lot of moments this year. It's not that they haven't tried. They just haven't had the result they want. They've not handled pressure well in, in a lot of close ball games. I'm interested to get your thought with uh, this team rallying for Scott. Is there, is there that feel this week that guys want to step up even more for Frost? I mean, you always want to step up for your coach. I mean, your coach is the guy that brought you to the school He's the reason you're getting an education. He's the reason you have the opportunity to play college football. And so, I mean, I can't speak for the guys because I don't play for him, but that's how I felt about Coach Bo, is I felt like I deserved, this man deserved my best shot. This man deserved everything I could give him because he gave me this opportunity that so many people want, so many people would kill 
to have the opportunity to play Division One football, especially at Nebraska, that that was my mentality going in. And so I hope that this team has that mentality for their head man too because he's going to lay it out on the line for them. He played here. He wore the end. He understands what this place is. And so I hope that everyone can kind of rally around the fact that it's a little bit bigger than just a game on Saturday. You're trying to help your coach play for his, for possibly his job. You're trying to play for your job as a starter. You're trying to make the decision of what you want to leave this as your senior or what you want to start growing on as a young guy for next year. I mean, there's so much more than just the game on Saturday when you're talking about what you could be playing for. Searles, let's get to the Nebraska offensive line. And what are they facing with this Ohio State defense? I know the headline is the Buckeye offense, but how dangerous is this Buckeye defense with how turnover-prone Nebraska's been? You know, the Buckeye defense this year is not what it has been. And when I say that, and everyone's like, well, it still really goes. Like, yeah, but the difference is it doesn't have Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. I mean, different DBs, right? I mean, the standard for Ohio State for five years now has been they have a number top five pick at at least one of the position uh, levels on defense. They don't have that this year. What they do have is a group of guys that are playing really well together. Uh, When I look at this Ohio State defense, they look a lot like Nebraska's defense and the fact that their scheme, everyone plays really well within the scheme. The thing that makes them scary is they're all young. And as this group grows old together, they're going to get really, really good. But right now, they're still a little young, still making some mistakes in coverage and some gap fits. But overall, their athleticism is what makes them to kind of make up for some of those mistakes. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, despite this defense being young, they're still able to step up and make plays in crucial moments, which a lot of times uh, young guys fail to do uh, on a college football field. We've seen that a little bit with Nebraska's offense this year. Uh, so just what what sets this Ohio yeah. State team apart as a whole? I mean, they've been so good for so long under first Urban Meyer and then Ryan Day. What sets them apart in terms of their mentality and their culture on the football field? You know, I don't even know if it's necessarily a mentality and a culture as much as just a talent level, Elijah. I mean, the talent level on Ohio State is just head and shoulders above everyone in the Big Ten and top ten in the country. I mean, you look at across the board, you're like, okay, which receiver is he going to throw to? Is it the first-round pick or the second-round pick? Oh, who's he going to hand the ball off to? Oh, this 18-year-old phenom who's going to be a first-round pick in three years? That works. Well, both these tackles are going to get drafted. You know, it's just the talent from top to bottom on this team is so good that when you are young, like they are in defense, they're just looking at their offense going, hey, just outscore everybody. And they are. And that's what's crazy is, I mean, this offense isn't necessarily the high firepower that you used to see, but they feast on big plays. And they really understand, hey, we just have to score. So they try and turn games into track meets because they know that they're going to score and they know eventually that young defense that they have is going to get a stop or going to get a turnover, especially if they get a lead because then you're putting teams in obvious passing situation and that's when your athleticism can truly take over versus having to get your run fit, stuff this, stuff that. You just turn your athletes loose up front and say, go sack the quarterback and let our athletes in the back play center field. Jeremiah Searles with his sideline man for Nebraska football at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Follow him on Twitter. Searles, a thought with Nebraska and uh, the morale. You're, you're around the team a ton and just pretty demoralizing second half against Purdue. 
are you expecting a bounce back from Adrian? Where's this team's head at, at least on the offensive side, going into this weekend? You know, being around at the press conference, and Chris, you might have felt too, it seems like this team's excited to yes. play this team. Yeah, they are. It, it does. It does seem like they're excited. It seems like they are ready for the challenge, which was a little, not going to lie, surprising after the loss to Purdue. You kind of wondered what would the mood be like. But overall, I think this team's excited to go out. And I know it's also a detriment that they play down to their competition at times. I mean, this year they've done a nice job of playing up to their competition. I mean, they've gone toe-to-toe with Oklahoma, gone toe-to-toe with Michigan, Michigan State. And so I think that that's no reason for me to believe otherwise, right? I think they're going to come out really juiced up, ready to go, Memorial Stadium against Ohio State. One of I mean, a team that, besides the blowout in 2019, I mean, you kind of played this team close every time you played them. And I think that there's a lot of guys on this team that aren't just playing for the win column also, but they're playing for pride. They're playing for NFL hopefuls. There's a lot that goes into this. So I think Adrian's going to bounce back. He usually historically in years past has bounced back from when he's had some poor performances, but a lot of it's going to come down. Can our back end stop these receivers and can our back end really be able to, and I'm talking about can Taylor Britt, but more along the lines of Quentin Newsom, Braxton Clark, Miles Farmer of how do these young cats play? Cause they're going to be playing for pride too. Do you get exotic at all? You've got such a Swiss Army guy in JoJo. Nebraska's had, and, and Garrett Nelson has done decent this year at getting after the quarterback, okay? But do you try and heat up? And the reason I ask about JoJo is because he's had success against Ohio State as, as a blitzer. Do you, get, uh, do you get creative with finding a way for him to get after the quarterback? Because I think that's that's one way you stay in this and and maybe pull the upset if it can happen it's going to be some turnovers it's going to be some strip sacks it's going to be some bad throws by the freshman because he's under pressure uh i don't know what poison you want here but i'm asking is is part of that plan maybe to get and find a way to get after uh strout at least with a guy like a jojo or some of your better athletes that's what you want to do, but the the scary thing with that is it's going to be feast or famine. Sure, you're either gonna you're either gonna get home and you're gonna sack them, and everyone's gonna be throwing the bones, and everyone's gonna be really happy, or that offensive line and running back picks up the pressure in the face, and now you're talking about DBs one on one with these receivers, and that's big play potential, right? You're talking about tight ends coming open in the middle, like we saw against Purdue and like we saw against Michigan for big play potential because when you blitz, there is holes in the zone or there's been asking guys to cover these guys for a long time. And so I think for me, I'm, I'm more along the lines of I'm Eric Chenander. I'm keeping everything in front of me and I'm, I'm almost conceding the four or five yard carries on the run in order to make one of my guys up front win a one-on-one matchup. Ben Stilley, Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson, Daniels, win a one-on-one matchup and create a negative play in the run game. So now they're sitting at second and 10 versus selling out and getting everyone up top. And now you're, you're having big play potential in the back end. I think you need to make this Ohio state prove that they can go eight plays, nine plays, 10 plays and score versus just kind of selling out to get the sack and allowing them to score in two or three big plays. Sure. Yeah, Charles, it really is pick your poison with this Ohio state offense. You know that they're going to be putting up points, how does Nebraska's offense keep up? Where do they go? It's been the offense that's been the problem for Nebraska all season. You feel like the defense has put you in a position to win every single game. It's the offense that's been failing to get it done. So how do they keep up with this Ohio State offense on Saturday? 
Well, the big thing is you got to score seven in the red zone. I mean, we talked about a red zone offense has been really a tough spot for Nebraska this year. And it's because when we get down there, we're not sure. Do we want to run? Do we want to pass? Do we want to do a quarterback run? Like, we, we're kind of still figuring out our red zone offense in week whatever it is now. <laughs> and that, that's a problem. And so I think the biggest thing is when you get down there, you have to go back to what you've done for film study, what you've done for self-scout, and you have to just rely on that to get you in the end zone, whether that's downhill run, whether that's the zone read or whatever it is, because field goals just aren't going to cut it against this team. And then the other piece is you can't turn the ball over. I mean, turn the ball over against this team, you might as well just give them seven points right there. They are so good at, at really maximizing on the team's mistakes. And so when you have a, a turnover on offense, that's what's going to really kill you on this against this team. What do you expect atmosphere-wise? 11 o'clock, it's early, uh, or the early kickoff, but it's big noon for Fox. I mean, it's Joe Clatton crew, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a big game. It's going to draw a ton of eyeballs uh, from a crowd standpoint, a fandom standpoint. Uh, the, the team's been through the ringer this year. The fans also. Do, does the fan base, does Husker Nation have enough in them to be a 12th man on Saturday? I really hope so, and I say that strictly for the kids' sake. I mean, I think that the kids deserve to have a big stadium here. The kids deserve to have the full fan base to come in and support, but also I understand if there's a few that stay at home this week. But I really hope that the stadium's rocking like it can be because, I mean, those are the games that I love to play in. Those are the games that I remember distinctly and have vivid memories of when I played. And I just hope that for their sake, Husker Nation shows up and shows out. Jeremiah Searles with us. Husker standout, longtime NFLer, sideline man for the Husker Network. And uh, you check his reports out during the ball game and does an amazing job. Follow Jeremiah on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, we love your takes, brother. Thanks for giving us a few minutes and always appreciate you jumping on with us. Absolutely, guys. See you Saturday. Go Big Red. There he is. Jeremiah Searles with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Searles will will be patrolling the sidelines and uh, and be on it. So all great takes, great thoughts. Don't disagree with the – if you're going to send the the kitchen sink, you better get home because it could be uh, hitting your head on the goalpost time. They're going to hit big plays anyway. It's just how big are the big plays? Is it a house call or does it gain a 30, Elijah? Well, it's, it's that same story uh, from back to Oklahoma. We were talking about that with Vogel with the same game plan where it felt like Nebraska was doing that a lot. They were picking their uh, their times with blitzes. And whenever you didn't get home uh, to, to Spencer Rattler, which was the few and far between the, the times you even got him on the ground, let alone uh, I don't even think you got a sack that game. Uh, whenever you were sending the pressure, uh, he was doing really well at escaping the first man and finding the open man soon after that. So you have to get home if you're going to be in pressure against Stroud. But I, I'm, I'm with Searles here. I'm not a huge fan of letting them uh, dink and dunk you down the field. However, uh, he's right where they're going to get into the red zone. The key is holding them to a field goal. Yeah, the difference too, and Tim May touched on it, this isn't fields where – all right, Nebraska went round one against Fields, and they won 56 to whatever the hell it was. The We don't really want to be here, Ohio State game in, in 17, mm-hmm. right? I I think that Nebraska, not, not that uh, Trout can't move, right, but he's not mobile. He's not Fields. He's not Braxton Miller. So he's not Mr. Tuck and Run, 
So there, there's that if you want to drop 100 into coverage and just contain him, try and collapse it. We'll get some thoughts on uh, where Nebraska heads offensively with Gary Barnett here in a moment. Caller 8 right now. Caller 8 now. You want to go see Nebraska-Ohio State? pair of tickets for you with Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. Caller 8 right now gets a pair. Nebraska, Ohio State, 466 800-825-5865. Nebraska, Ohio State tickets yours. Caller 8 now with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Nebraska Ohio State Week. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with us, Northwestern and Colorado, standout player in Missouri. And you're soaking up the sun down in Arizona, coach. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. I'm trying to get this Achilles heel fixed up. It's working well. I've been walking and carrying, and so I just got to get my fat butt in shape right now. So I get tired about the 14th hole. Hey, but at least you're on the 14th hole, Coach. It's been an interesting week here in Lincoln. Scott Frost talk about his job speculation, but I want to go back to Purdue real quick. Frost and, and Adrian Martinez, they are tied at the hip. I want to get your thoughts here on, on Nebraska's offense, and is it time to rethink this, this system, or do you think it can work? Chris, that that offense, everything has a beginning and an end, start and a finish, point in which people move on to something else because of, in this game, one side or the other always catches up. Defense always catches up or offense always catches up. And so I think with a style of offense where the quarterback has to be a runner and has to run it 12 to 14 times a game to be effective, giving the current environment of the transfer portal and the fact that, in my opinion, if you're going to run an offense like this, you've got to have more than one quarterback that can do it. You've got to have two or three. And it's hard to keep two guys who are both high-level quarterbacks in a program anymore because of the transfer portal, the environment, and then the thought process of quarterbacks and parents. I think that you're seeing more and more people go back to more standard offenses. The RPO has become the option. It means that you're either going to hand it off or throw it. And you can play that with the same kind of quarterback that that Adrian Martinez is uh, and not running so much. Now, a lot of guys end up running because of the protection breaks down, and that's, that's another issue, but um, I think you're seeing more and more of the quarterbacks that are more stand in the pocket, throw it, but have escape ability, uh, and, and so they can get you out of, a, out of a tough spot. They're not the big old lumbering 6'6", guy that stays in the pocket and hums it uh, and then takes the sack you know you, you just realize how you know how tough it is to take sacks and negative yardage plays so I think everybody's sort of coming around and tweaking their offenses a little bit you know every once in a while you get a guy like Caleb Thompson at uh, um, at Oklahoma mm-hmm. who's who can do it all it looks like and and I think when when Adrian started he could do it all but I, th- I just think over the years he's taken a beating and he's turned the ball over and 
You know, you can't live with that. And, and you've got to have another guy like that to go to, and apparently Nebraska hasn't had that. So, you know, every, everything has a start and finish, like I said, and, and this one, this offense may be coming to its end. And just the new retooling of it to where you, you can you can survive a season with just one guy. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. A thought with what you've seen out of Adrian, what's he look like to you? Does he look like a guy that, is he worried about the protection? Is he worried about getting dinged? Doesn't look like he's Adrian from a month ago as far as how agile he's been. And then you have, you factor in the turnovers to it. Is it all kind of caving in on him? Go back to what I discussed a few minutes ago, and that was just there's a start and a finish, and there's an involvement that always takes place. And I saw Adrian, as you know, his first year, mm-hmm. and I watched him play in person in Colorado, and what a great performance he put on. I mean, it was unbelievable. I just looked, and we discussed, I think, at that time, I said, you got yourself one heck of a quarterback. He's only a heck of a quarterback if he can continue to play that way. Through the years, he's gotten to be smarter. He's gotten to understand a little bit more. He's also been an example of someone who taking a lot of shots, taking a lot of abuse uh, physically and then emotionally. You just change. You change the way you think. You're you're not as uh, willing to, to run the ball as much as you were, as effectively or as wildly as you may have or as aggressively. So all this figures in, and I'm, I'm not in his head. You know, I'm not his therapist, so I can't tell you what's going on with him, but I can from afar it just looks like he's taken a lot of shots he has stood up to the public pretty well and I think Scott's probably pretty proud of him he, he's taken that pretty well but it looks like it's showing up in his game now that it's starting to deteriorate his aggressiveness his aggressive style of running and certainly his accuracy and throwing I mean four interceptions I don't care you can't first of all nobody's worth four interceptions he's got to be replaced at some point you can't after three you can't risk a fourth they probably feel like they don't have anybody they can really go to and give them a chance to win so but that's sort of what I see Chris Gary Barnett's with us Hale Varsity Radio it's year four there's been hot seat discussion early in the year Nebraska's lost three in a row there's questions swirling around if if Coach Frost will, will see a fifth year the university president was asked about that yesterday and they didn't say hey he's back they didn't say no he's going they just said kind of paraphrasing that we'll have some thoughts about the direction of the program they want to see scott win they they are all pulling for him so i think everybody in power wants this to work you're, you're not winning you continue to lose close you're more competitive but you're playing the, the big dogs well but you're losing to the teams that should be beating Per what Vegas says, right? You're you're the favorite. At least you're on yeah. paper. You're you're the better football team. So what's your outlook here? You and I have this conversation every four or five years. Nebraska's looking for a coach, right? And it's right. just it's draining. It is draining, and uh, it's something that Nebraska. You know, you guys were really spoiled for years. You didn't have to have this discussion at all. <laughs> you know, and so you don't know. How, nobody knows how to handle it. Uh, you, you know, the 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 from a coaching piece of it. As we spoke off the air, that you know John Wooden didn't win a championship till his 16th year. Well, that kind of world doesn't exist anymore uh, because it's so money driven. Everything's money driven, and everything uh, depends on what it looks like. And what, you got You're selling hope as an athletic department, and and a little bit as a president, but for, for sure as an AD. You know, I don't know whether based on on what's happened in four years, how much hope is still out there. What I see happening, Chris, is I hope Scott doesn't make this mistake, is he can't put all this pressure on his players and say, you're really fighting for my job for the next 
four games. The kids know that. You don't have to say that. They know it. You know, he just can't say it. He can't act that way. He's got to be a guy that everybody looks up to and respects and admires how he handles all this pressure. I'm sure he will. He, he hasn't. He's not totally new to this, and he's been around a lot of people who have been ex- exemplary in the way they've handled it. So, um, you know, there's so many working parts in this thing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure presidents and ADs are tired of being asked what's going to happen with him. And really, the only thing that stops it is for him to win out pretty closer to, you know, take uh, Ohio State to the wire and, you know, and then maybe win out from there. But he's got, he's got a tough road. And it's um, someone's going to have to make a decision. And there's going to be 50% of the people are going to like it and 50% of the people aren't going to like it. And, and then you just go down the road. It's, it's the way this business is. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, thought on the playoff ranking. Do you like uh, where things are at with uh, the initial ranking, or would you have tweaked uh, some teams where they're, they're slotted? You know what? I, uh, I uh, would not have done anything. I think they did a, a great job. I admire them for putting Oklahoma down. Uh, I admire him for keeping Cincinnati out. I admire him for putting Oregon in front of Ohio State. Uh, I think Michigan State has earned that spot. I think Alabama is, as you know, they're as good as they look. And part of this thing is how they look getting off the bus, and <laughs> and uh, they do. Uh, no, I, I think the whole thing gives everybody a fighting chance. And it's like someone said yesterday: this is the first one, not the last one. And as we know, it all changes. And um, if Cincinnati is going to earn a spot, you know, it's going to somebody else's. These teams are going to have to have to lose, and they're going to have to keep winning. The, the whole pressure is on Cincinnati to keep winning, mm-hmm. not for them to hope somebody loses, because it's going to happen. It's just the way it is. But now, I thought the whole thing. Wake Forest has certainly earned a spot there. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody that I would have changed. I think you know, especially through the top uh, top. 10 or 11, maybe 12. I mean, Baylor's playing well. Uh, Auburn's starting to play better. Um, you know, and then after that, I don't think anything counts. But uh, uh, you never know. Minnesota is can be sneaky in that that west side. Yes. They, they could end up playing in the championship game because if they can find a running back, and I think he's doing tryouts this week. Uh, <laughs> he'll find he'll find one, Coach. He's yeah, always just found put one of those guards in there. I mean, they are just <laughs> stinking huge up front. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I like the playoff rankings exactly where they were. Coach, let's talk uh, some rapid fire here. Coach Barnett's uh, thoughts on Saturday. Ohio State, Nebraska, numbers at 15, 11 o'clock kickoff, so a little red beer with your eggs. Uh, does Nebraska cover the number? Oh man, uh, that's that's going to be tough for Nebraska. I mean, Ohio State's fighting for their playoff life, and uh, not that that's motivation, but they're starting to hit a stride, and they're scoring a lot of points, and they're tough to contain, and um, they're giving up three hundred fifty-five yards per game, which is which is quite a bit, really, for a championship-level team. But they change coordinators, and they seem to be hitting their stride a little bit better on defense. So, no, I think this is a tough one for Nebraska to cover. Purdue, Sparty, you're feeling good. You beat Michigan, and it's a low number here. Sparty is only favored by three at Purdue. I saw that. I was surprised. That running back's the best thing I've seen this year. Hmm. He is sensational. Uh, I, right now, I'd say he he 
more than any other player in the country stands out as a Heisman finalist for sure. And uh, I don't know. He, I saw him do things last week against Michigan that I didn't think people could do. <laughs> and so I, I think Michigan State, uh, Michigan State wins this game by more than three. Auburn at A&M, that number is minus four and a half Aggies. Yeah, that's, that, I think that's a pretty interesting game. Auburn's getting really good. I wouldn't. I would. I think Auburn beats A and M flat out. I mean, take the points for sure. But I think Auburn beats A and M. A and M is is solid, but they don't have the great quarterback. Does Northwestern add to Iowa's misery? Well, if there's any game that Fitz wants to win, it's Iowa. I mean, <laughs> everything in the building changes when it's Iowa week, and uh, I mean everything. Your talk changes. You use more expletives, uh, and and trust me, Fitz will fight tooth and nail, and that team will fight tooth and nail to win this game. You know the fact that Iowa can't score is is, um, but neither neither can the Northwestern. So this will be a, a low scoring game. Uh, I, I never never count out Northwestern in this game. Was there a swear jar you had? When it came to Iowa week? No, there wasn't. Not that week. You threw it out that week. So you could use any word you want as long as it ended in Iowa. Uh-huh. <laughs> or Hawkeyes. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, you have a great uh, weekend. Uh, enjoy your ball game. You guys got Oregon State. Yeah, we do. We, we, we need to win. We need to win badly here. So uh, let's we'll see if I can get one. All right. Coach, you take care. Thanks for the time. All right, Chris. Talk to you later. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets with Vsin Sports Network. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, podcaster extraordinaire, and his show, Rush Hour, on uh, hundreds of affiliates. iHeartMedia is where also you can hear it. Danny's on the tube. And, Danny, you are, uh, you are putting your big red N on, brother, here. It's Ohio State Week. It's a big game. Uh, there's been lots of noise about the future of Frost. How are you hanging out, man, up in the Windy City? If by big red N you mean uh, no bet, then, yes, that's the big red N I'm putting on here as the no bet on Nebraska. No, I'm doing good, Schmitty. I, you know, you and I were kind of exchanging texts this past weekend, and uh, – to say I was frustrated would be an understatement, but I just had to voice my opinion somewhere because that was that was bad to see. I mean, what is it now? Zero and four off a of bye week for Frost. Yeah, it's it's not been great, and yeah, you're, you you did a great job uh, of, of voicing your frustrations via text. <laughs> <laughs> the, the screenshots will never see the light of day, my friend. I promise you. But the line is this. Does it shock you that it's minus 15 only? Ohio State's won on average by about 35 points against Nebraska. They've outscored Nebraska about 75 zip um, in the in the first half of the last two games. It, it's so funny um, because the, the way you said it, like with your two statements saying only 15 and the winning margin is, is exactly what I've been mentioning on my shows too. Like I'm bringing it up to some of these college football handicappers we have on. And everybody realizes Ohio State dominates Nebraska, but when I throw that, that they've won by an average margin of 35, 36, whatever it is, they go, huh, oh, I may need to rethink this. Because I, I talked to some people who actually like taking the points with Nebraska because it's their Super Bowl and, you know, they understand the seat's getting warmer for Frost. But, Schmitty, I really cannot talk myself into it because, look, Ohio State, what they're – 
issue has been, or at least people have pointed it to being, is the defense. But it has gradually gotten a little bit better and better. And last week, you know, we talked about this game, despite what happened to Penn State against Illinois, the Nittany Lions were always going to play them close, was mm-hmm. kind of my thought process, and that's what ended up coming to fruition. And I think it was enough of a scare for Ohio State not to come into this game so lackadaisically. So I would actually look toward Ohio State like you alluded to. I mean, 15, even 14 and a half I saw it come down to, which at that point I'd almost be inclined to buy it down to just 14. But consensus seems to be about 15 points in favor of the Buckeyes, and I truthfully don't see how I would take the points with Nebraska because how are they going to keep up offensively if Martinez is going to be inconsistent at throwing turnovers? He's going to make this Ohio State defense look good. And then defensively, Nebraska's defense hasn't showed up since the Michigan game, right? Even in the second half there, they got demolished. Minnesota embarrassed them. Uh, Purdue put up, what, 28 on the road against them after a bye week. So I don't think this Nebraska defense is special anymore as of this point. So I just don't see any way that the Huskers can keep this one close unless they go right out of the gate, have some kind of turnover, whatever crazy play it is. But that just doesn't happen because this team finds a way to shoot themselves in their foot. You know, the defense has played well, but they're wearing down. Yeah, yeah. Is, is how I look at it. You factor in turnovers. Ohio State has scored six straight games on defense, six out of eight. That freaks me out. There's your there's your backbreaker where you could be within a score. Oops, somebody gets by a tackle, strip sack, or just a normal pick six or fumble, and Ohio State's put up points. I mean, there's there's your turning point moment, and why would it be any different Saturday against Nebraska to have something go sideways and be the difference maker, open the floodgates? That's my that's my hesitation. But I got some just crazy, stupid, I grew up here gut feeling that this thing will be pretty tasty <laughs> in a good way. Uh, don't let it get to you, man. I know I always have that feeling with them, too. And then, look, I, I, you know, we had the same feeling with Michigan, Schmitty, and really that's a game they should have won. But after what happened in Minnesota, and then they had the chance to redeem against Purdue, I, I just can't fall into that trap. But, again, you know how it goes. If I'm betting one way, it's probably going to go the other. So if I'm laying with Ohio State, then uh, the Huskers probably keep it close as they expect. This is Daddy saying, I am pulling a Pete Rose and not putting a, a wager in on Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Burks with hey, us here. We'll see. <laughs> Danny Burks with us here on Burks Best Bets Hail Varsity Radio. Danny, let's keep it in the Big Ten. Let's go to Purdue and Michigan State. As I'm seeing this right now, uh, Michigan only a three and a half point favor. Is that what you have too? Yeah, so I actually saw this a little bit earlier at three, but yeah, I know it's creeping up for that three and a half number. If you get it at three, I actually think the Spartans are the right side here. And, look, that seems to be the easy and obvious answer, but then you're getting a lot of people who are talking themselves into taking it with the Boilermakers because they have been a tough out this year. I get it. You went on the road, you beat Iowa. You beat Nebraska, you've won some other games. But I'm not really looking at that win necessarily over the Huskers as impressive. It's more so that, hey, that's just what Nebraska has been capable of letting their opponents do at this point. So Michigan State has had these spots, though, as well, where we're thinking, all right, this is finally the game. They're going to fall through. They're going to... You know, they've been beaten up. It's finally going to just end, and it really hasn't come to fruition. So they're going to be ready for Purdue. There's no chance they're overlooking them in any sense, especially with the college football playoff ranking that just came out. 
they realize that this has the potential for a trap game. So uh, I'm not really buying into the Purdue hype. I would lay the three with Michigan State, if anything. I was almost going to dabble with the total, but at the end of the day, I ended up staying away. But overall, if you're getting three, I think Michigan State does end up pulling this out because we've just been waiting for them to fail, and it just hasn't happened. So I don't think it happens against Purdue. Is Sparty mature enough to avoid the letdown after your your right. signature rival win, right? And that's the question, and I don't know how much of a ghost town Purdue's going to be at, at 2.30. It's an ABC game. It'll be a little bit better atmosphere than your normal Purdue uh, outings. Daddy, SEC country is where we're going to go. A&M minus four and a half. Auburn's playing really good football. Yeah, I kind of like taking the points with Auburn here, Schmitty. I mean, it went up from like four, four and a half, now up to five. And look, Auburn's defense has been insanely consistent this year. And Bo Nix hasn't been amazing, but he's done well enough, right? So I think in this game, I wouldn't even be shocked if Auburn pulls out the win. But if you're giving me points, I think that's a little bit safer bet. And I would look toward taking the five with the Tigers here. NFL, uh, you've got some some wait-and-see moments. Of course, the Kansas City-Green Bay game's a mess without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You have uh, the Titans and Rams, but no King Henry. Rams are playing great ball. Anything you like this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, so I did a teaser, actually, and I did this a little bit earlier in the week when the line was different, but you can still maybe do it because the Cowboys are now up to 9.5. When I did it, they were 8.5, and and then did the six-point teaser down to 2.5 for Dallas, but at some spots, they're 9.5. You could tease them down 7 and still get them to 2.5 in their game against the Broncos. You know that Dak's going to be playing, so they'll be healthy. Uh, You mentioned the Rams. That's the other teaser spot I like because, look, I mean, they're having Von Miller to their already stacked defense, and they have a favorable matchup this weekend as well. So you look to tease down the Rams from 7.5 down to 1.5 or a half, depending on what number you use. I think the Rams are in a really good position. And then, hey, I mean, you also mentioned the Chiefs and Packers game, completely different now. Aaron Rodgers deemed a seven-point worthy player for the spread. It was almost down to a pick Now it's up to 7.5. I don't see how you lay seven in the hook with Kansas City because the Chiefs have been atrocious this year. And as much as we don't know about Jordan Love, this defense for Kansas City has been really, really bad. So if you want to play Kansas City, I think you tease them down as well from 7.5 down to 1.5. But if you're going for the full game, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers actually could keep this one close. Danny, last thought here, about 15 seconds, Thursday night football, pretty gross matchup between the Jets and the Colts. Who do you like? <laughs> yeah, I'm not betting the spread, but I would take the point. Otherwise, I'm doing Jonathan Taylor over receiving yards. Same for Michael Carter, and then Michael Carter over his receptions as well. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Brad of Chicago, we'll see you next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff. On a Thursday, be sure to get the podcast downloaded. Gary Barnett, Jeremiah Searles, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke. And uh, we will be at the single barrel tomorrow. A little steak, a little whiskey, and previewing Nebraska and Ohio State. We're uh, excited. Uh, Parker Gabriel is going to be with us. Uh, Bill Dolman with us. Jeff Mall will pop by. Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau will uh, spend some time with him. We're efforting Jacob Padilla. 
So we'll see. Elijah will be back here in the studio. We'll be uh, live on the ESPN Lincoln uh, StreamYard. Yeah, so Facebook be able to watch page. the movie. Yeah, go uh, go check us out. You can see us in all our glory. As, uh, well, I will be sure chained to my chair. Shirt. Oh, it, it's the pants that you got to worry about. It's the pants <laughs> I might not change. That's never going to make it on you camera. Just do your thing. And mm-hmm. They really don't get that nerdy, right? Like, no, we we uh, we look presentable. <laughs> We look presentable. Reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So it's weird. I was talking to Elijah here during the break and got an email from my father's email account. It's like, this is weird. But uh, every year, uh, a company sends... Uh, that my folks uh, are involved with send an email <laughs> about what type of uh, pumpkin, what type of Thanksgiving pie we want. And can you pick it up that Tuesday before Thanksgiving? And we got into a bit of an argument. Like what is the best Thanksgiving day pie? And I know some folks aren't nuts fans, but I'm a pecan guy. Pecan is incredible. I don't dislike pumpkin, but I love pecan pie with lots of cool whip. It's, it's incredible. You you go curveball a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Well, the the thing is, is when we're talking, there's no such thing as a bad pie, right. unless, unless unless like some terrible chef has like gone and thrown See, some like cherry rhubarb. Probably my second draft pick. Okay, I like cherry rhubarb, but that's that's not a Thanksgiving tradition for, for us. It's the three of you have your pumpkin, you'll have your pecan, and then you'll have. Uh, a cream pie, either either banana cream pie or coconut cream pie. Kind of depends on the year. And I will always, always go for that either banana cream pie or, pie, or a coconut cream pie. That is my go-to choice. Just so good. I, I will do pecan, and during the warmer months, I love, and we uh, we have never been wrong with the the dessert choice of I love key lime. Mm. So give me key lime during spring and summer. And if it's offered in fall, which not necessarily all the time, give me key lime, but pecan and key lime, and then we can go with the rhubarb. I mean, that's that's your trifecta. And the key for all of them is a homemade whipped cream. Don't See, don't don't give me that stuff out of the can. It's so dude, easy to make. Well, you got to you got to like we got to do a, a how to video. All, all you need is like one of those little uh, the the hand mixers, uh-huh, yeah. And then you just uh, some heavy cream, some uh, some uh, powdered sugar, and some vanilla. Super easy. Well, you show us. All right, show us tonight. Staking a beer bet. You you in? Oh, I'm in. Who do you want? Jets and Colts rematch of Super Bowl three. I'll let you pick this one. Ten's a pretty high line. It is. The Jets covered the ten last week against Cincy at home. They're at Indy. I'm going to kick myself in the morning for this, but give me the Jets and the 10. I will take the Colts. Okay. There we go. Maybe uh, maybe Wentz will throw another pick uh, at the goal line. I won't happily take the Colts, but I will take the Colts. Talk to you tomorrow from the Single Barrel Roadshow Friday with Hale Varsity.